0: Welcome back to Dr. Dave on Call. I'm your host, Dr. Dave. Thanks for joining me today. Today, I thought it would be uh, extremely important to focus an entire episode on child and adolescent mental health. Um, We, in the COVID-19 pandemic here, many of us are in in shelter-in-place orders, Um, schools are shut down, and as parents, we are trying to navigate uh, a new environment for both ourselves but also our children trying to balance um, our home work life uh, as well as um, helping our children navigate uh, distance learning, too, with their schools. And it can be a pretty stressful environment, um, you know, to to balance all of that while also trying to take care of our health and safety, too. So uh, today on the program, we're going to have... a mental health expert, a child and adolescent psychiatrist to discuss these challenges and how we can focus on our kids and children and to make sure that they are um, doing well and thriving in this really stressful environment we're in. Um, You know, listening to what our children believe about COVID-19 transmission is essential. And, you know, we as adults have to provide kids um, with an accurate explanation that's meaningful to them, um, that'll hopefully help them feel less frightened, um, feel less guilty if they if they are feeling that way about this whole pandemic. And and you know we as adults can be easily preoccupied with COVID nineteen. Um, you know, watching the media constantly, and and that could really cause us to be um, even more sensitive to our children's distress. And if we as adults get in an emotional state um, that's unexplained, our kids could interpret it more as a threat, um, and that can really result in anxiety. With children and adults, I, I found with with my children um, that they're not going to tell me that they're actually anxious about something. They can manifest these behaviors in different ways, whether it's acting out, maybe having an argument. Um, and even sometimes distancing, too. So what can we do? Well, um, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry has given a really good guidelines in terms of, um, you know, what advice they feel can help us with our kids, both children and adolescents during the COVID-19 pandemic. Firstly, they recommend that we be open and supportive so that they can ask us questions if they feel like it. Um, But also, more importantly, the onus is on us as adults to be honest with them. Uh, especially around the uncertainty surrounding covid nineteen that we that we are authentic with them um and also reassure them that it's okay to have these fears uh, about this uncertainty and reassure them about their personal safety um, as well as the personal safety of immediate family members too but but in all honesty it's important not to overwhelm them you know especially with the bombardment of you know constant news especially with new cases and you know, the case fatality rates, what's going on in different sorts of areas of the country and the world. So we have to be realistic about this. So today I want to introduce our um, our guest today is uh, Dr. Karen Pierce. She is a child and adolescent psychiatrist and we're going to talk with her um, about some of these issues and questions. Dr. Pierce, thank you for being on Dr. Dave on Call. We really appreciate uh, your time today to, to share with uh, your expert uh, uh Thoughts on the COVID nineteen pandemic and how it relates to our kids. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Yeah. So let's get started. Um, the the COVID pandemic is is obviously a, a difficult situation for children adolescents. But take us through what's normal behavior for for our children during these uh, difficult times.
1: So let's start a little bit bigger. This is abnormal for all of us, not just for our children and our youth, but this is something that has never occurred ever in anybody's lifetime in history. And so in order to have happy and healthy kids, we have to be happy and healthy ourselves. And so the start of how we take care of our kids is how are we taking care of ourselves. The amount of crazy information out there makes often adults not... Being their highest self in order to be available for their kids. So what's normal? There's nothing normal about this this time. Nothing. And to try to normalize it or dismiss it is really silly. And actually, kids are really smart. They will know you can't lie to them because they will know you are saying something that's not true. Um, and I think that's where the start comes from. Is we have to start with ourselves as adults in knowing it, and then we can turn to these kids. Um, And like any of us, kids, um, kids have interesting questions to ask. They have heard everything we've heard. You know, if you're a glued to the news kind of person, guess what, your kids have picked up a lot of that stuff. And that's normal. But in times like this, it's our job as adults to say, hey kids, What'd you hear? What'd you think of? What did you think about it? I just heard from a nine-year-old. So what have you heard? They said, it is a virus. It is bad. It's like my cold. And I said, okay, it's sort of like your cold. And I said, how is this different than your cold? And he says, we could go to the playground if I had a cold. And it's really taking kids from where they're at And in this case, I said, you're right. It's a cold like a new toy. When you get a new toy, do you know how to play with it? Do you know how to figure it out? Well, this is a new virus. And until we figure it out, we have to do things differently than most viruses.
0: So that begs the question, because we have such access to technology and to news media at our fingertips, on our phones, and on the TVs and screens, how much should we be telling our children in terms of, you know what we hear every day of number of new cases and deaths and how long we could be, you know, how much information should we be conveying to our children in that respect?
1: So you saw me make a face because I made a face because all parents know their kids. Mm -hmm. So there are some kids you can give this information to, and there's some kids that you're not able to do this. But I think as parents, we have to listen to our kids. And we have to ask what kids want to know, not what we want to tell them. And this is really a good parenting principle. You say, what do you want to know, kids? Kids don't really want to know about dying. Kids don't really want to know. What kids want to know is they're as safe as you can make them. And yes, you can't go to playgrounds because we're making you safe and everybody else safe. So don't give information. Respond to information that they need.
0: Karen, talk about um, COVID nineteen and if it if if it actually hits close to home, so a relative or a friend or even a family member becomes ill. How should we discuss that with our with our children to not only keep them informed but just to understand, you know, the 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 challenges that could that could take on a family?
1: So um, every family is going to be effective. This is one of the things of a pandemic and it's not if it's when. And again, in the same way you have to know your child and developmentally. A one-year-old might hear, or a four-year-old might hear, Grandma is sick, and we're worried about her. And you can express your worry about Grandma. Um, But that's all I would be able to say unless they ask. And kids will often ask, will Grandma die? And the answer has to be, I don't know. We hope she doesn't die, but she could get really sick. Um, But we're really hoping that that doesn't happen because we can't predict the future and you don't want kids to think you can. Um, Versus an adolescent, you might sit down and say, yeah, this is not so good for grandma. Grandma's in, you know, grandma has diabetes or other health risks that, yes, this is a lot more scary for grandma right now. Um, But I think developmentally, you have to pose your... Answer.
0: Absolutely. And, and what signs should we be looking for in our children if they are experiencing some uh, mental health distress during this time?
1: We all are experiencing mental health distress, and most of it is not abnormal. Um, most of it is not abnormal. Um, what I'm seeing are we're all having panic attacks. Kids are, parents are, and what we need to do, mostly we just have to sit with our kids. We cannot deny their feelings. We have to be sure that we're meeting them with their feelings and letting things ride like this, because just as you as an adult need ways to calm yourself down, your kids are going to need that too. Um another kid said to me, you know, when it gets pretty crazy in my household with everybody's yelling, do you know what happens? It's recess time and we all get to go outside. And so it does get crazy in households. And so I think most of the things we're going to see, whether it's kids clinging more or kids not sleeping, that's all very normal. If you start to see it more and more one of the first things you have to do is look at yourself as an adult. Are you being more anxious? Are you transmitting not safety to your kids? Are you freaking out? Um, Dr. Dave and I were talking about the beauty of technology. As adults, we have to get on a phone or get on a face and say, hey, I'm freaking out right now. I actually got two calls today from friends like that. You know, I'm freaking out. Okay, Karen, thank you. And then they can go back to their lives. And that's partly what I think disrupts a lot of kids when they're picking up what we're doing. Um, I think severe kinds of things, um, severe mental health issues. You know, the definition is you have to have symptoms for a month. Well, we've only been at it for two weeks. So, you know, that's... Rare that that's going to happen.
0: I'd like to talk about adolescents too, as well, because one of the things that I think that is frustrating people who are actually implementing physical distancing, if they're driving around or on a walk with their other children, is that they see sometimes a lot of adolescents are still with their friends, with their cohort, and you know hanging out together and being with their significant others. How, as parents, can we talk to them and just to explain them? you know, how important it is for physical distancing in a way that could help them understand that maybe this is not the best time to be hanging out with 15 of my friends in the park or, you know, with my significant other for extended periods of time.
1: It is not okay for these kids to be together. That is really clear. But developmentally, they need to be and want to be. The way I think about this is, I think, I'm very grateful for every person who social distance. We really have never in our country had to have sacrifices of our whole community in having to social distance. And I think the way I turn it around is that I'm grateful when I see somebody who's social distancing and to really positively reinforce people when you see them social distancing. And that is a community part we just have not had to experience before. And I think it's part of the learning curve, and adolescents are going to push up against it. Um, Unfortunately, COVID doesn't care about age, status, status, whether you need to see your significant other. And that's just part of the acceptance of life. It's rules. So,
0: It's it's frustrating, I know, for some parents, too, who have said, you know, I just can't get my son or daughter to stop fraternizing with their friends during this time period. And um, I think you bring up a great point in terms of just positively reinforcing physical distancing between people and just – uh, reinforcing and complimenting people when they do it too, as well. Um, one, one, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, one of the, one of the concerns that you're right, that COVID doesn't care about, you know, the age you are, or how rich or poor you are, or what, uh, you know, what color of the skin you have, it's, it's, it, it doesn't have these sort of feelings. And I think that's important when we're talking with, with our kids too, as well, is that this is just a silent killer. And it's hard, but you don't want to... Can wanna... I
1: just... I'm going to interrupt you. Sure. 80% of COVID cases will be just fine. hmm Another 17% of them will be really sick, and they will be just fine. What we're talking about is the 1% who will be really sick and who aren't going to be lucky. And so... It's not a killer illness for most of us, and that's the reassurance you want to keep with yourselves and with your kids. And and I'm not guaranteeing that anybody isn't going to be in that category, but we have to remember that there's a perspective of this. This is not all or none.
0: I agree. Um, it's no, yeah. absolutely, the forest from the trees are very important to, to not only understand but implement too, because I think that that therein lies the concern that I think we have as families too with the media, uh, essentially highlighting those very rare cases that become the forefront of the news story. For example, a healthy thirty-eight-year-old male with no pre-existing conditions ends up getting. Covid and and on a ventilator within days, and I think those can sometimes perpetuate fears that are actually unnecessary. Yeah, let's let's talk about you know children now and distance learning at schools. Um, you know we're at home, um, we're dependent on the schools' infrastructure. Too many schools have an e-distance uh, you know learning platform that requires kids to. You know, utilize uh, technology more, and you know we had talked before before um, you know our interview too about screens and what is, you know, good communication and social use of electronics versus in school. But are you concerned in terms of now us having our children on electronics um, for a greater part of the day now, uh, longer term in terms of their development? Let's say, for example, we have to implement this for many months? I mean, is there is there a concern developmentally for, for our children in that respect?
1: So we have to make sure that we're not emotionally distancing during this time. But what's really kind of cool, a bunch of people have just done a bunch of studies about distant learning in places um, that are more set up than communities or, Chicago are currently set up Um, and there has been no effect of screen time that is with a social interaction in the context of school learning is very different than the screen time that we're talking about that are you know electronic games or stimulating games or silly tv that still seems to be and this is preliminary we will never know but the research is showing that the kind of learning we're talking about with communication, which is what school is, what is um, timing with friends and family, those are totally healthy and don't seem to be affecting screen time in the classic way that we're talking about. I think it's also really important for kids to do that. Actually, the adolescents have taught me more technology because um, it, we still need to parent our adolescents and we still need to say they need to stay in. We. You know, we can only do as much as we can. But they are expert at social communicating through a screen, and it's really making sure that those are the ways of doing it um, and not just doing it without um, that. And that's when screen is there. We also have to remember that there are certain populations who don't have the money, the needs, the means to have um electronic communication Um, and those are the people that I worry about um, in making sure people are calling them, being in touch, um, because kids need to know that you're still there. Um, And in fact, here's the benefit so far, most of us have used more social communication with friends and people we don't speak to because we have the time, everybody's home, and we are a social person, so.
0: I'll be honest with you, Karen, um, you know, in our home we, during the week, we try to limit our electronics if we can on the iPads, things like that, too. And so they're typically reserved just for the weekends. And now from the time, you know, the school day begins till the afternoon, you know, from one activity to the next is is really electronic dependent. And so sometimes I, we find that it's difficult for transitions for the kids to move them to a different activity. Um, and I think that's one of the concerns that we have longer term, too, because, you know, we look at each other as parents and we say, man, this is dramatically different than what we had, you know, just a few weeks ago.
1: So again, so let's we didn't talk about this, but really setting up a schedule is really a good time that these are used, you know, for school time and you have school time computer use, you have social time computer use, and just like you have in school, you have recess. You have, we're done with the iPad for a while. Um, And then I would continue with your iPad rules, which would be if you had, I'm making this up, an hour of anything you want on your iPad, you still keep those rules differently. And it's important to label the uses of our devices What's work and what's play? And those are those transitions that we're really having to do. And parents, we have to be careful that we're not using our social, our computers, that we're also saying the same distance between what is work and what is play, because that's the models we're getting to see uh, our kids get to see.
0: And finally, Karen, we want to ask you just about conflict resolution. We are all in you know, confined space, and sometimes, you know, tempers can flare. Any uh, advice um, for for us for conflict resolution with our children when, when things get tense?
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you the same six-year-old says with her hands on her hip, everybody needs to go to their own room. So, or their own space, so there will be conflict. Um, I just had a father who was on a very important business call. His adolescent kids came in and uh, started cooking breakfast with pots and pans, now it's two o'clock, but the kids were just getting up, right? He exploded and he called me and I said, sounds like you've got to apologize. Um, Yes, your kids were wrong, but you lost it and that I'm back to, we're all gonna lose it. We're always gonna have conflict. It's owning it, owning our emotional dysregulation, not the reason we get angry. And I think it's an opportunity for kids to learn about this. This is hard. This is really hard to do. None of us have done this. I mean, you know, many families are working side by side in the same room trying to work. their kids are around and so you are going to lose it the kids are going to lose it and you you go to your corners and then you talk about it and what are other ways of being able to negotiate it and and again it's a great learning and emotional learning is something we need to be teaching our kids and um, anger sadness disgust and fear we need to make sure all four of them are being contained as well as in ourselves. So I think, yeah, it's gonna happen.
0: (laughs) Excellent, thank you so much, Dr. Karen Pierce. She's a child and adolescent psychiatrist here in town at Northwestern University. Karen, thank you so much for being on Dr. Dave On Call. We really appreciate it. Thank you, pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Pierce for joining us today on Dr. Dave On Call for discussing these extremely important issues regarding our children and uh, children's mental health. We've talked a lot about um, our, our kids and how they're adapting with the COVID-19 pandemic and how we as parents can help them um, get through um, this difficult time, especially if they're exhibiting symptoms of anxiousness or, you know, that, that are coming out in different sort of behaviors, whether it's acting out or arguments or distancing and and Dr. Pierce has given us a, a lot of good information in terms of how we can help them through this difficult time and how we can help ourselves through this difficult time too as well so that we can really formulate an environment where we are all thriving and, and moving forward. We appreciate you listening today and, and um, wherever you are. We encourage you to interact with us. Tweet us at drdaveoncall. Uh, you can email us at hello at drdaveoncall.com. And as well as uh, call us to 877 doctor Day 5 We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we hope that you are staying safe and healthy. Take care. See you next time.